Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 36 of Our Kids Asleep. This is Jay Alejandro and I am joined by... Maddie. How is everything going? It could be better. Yeah, why is that? Because we just did our GD taxes. Our goddamn taxes. That's mm. what we just did. Uh, you know, we're, we're working class people over here. And it's just, sometimes we just got to pay the government for shit that, that, you know, they, they need. It's important to get the fighter jets. It's important to get all of these things. And I have to say, I'm fairly disappointed, uh, in tonight's outcome. I still had that scarcity mindset and I thought that we were going to get a return. I thought that it was going to be all. I mean, I think jolly and shit. I mean, at the risk of getting into the weeds and getting boring, I think, you know... Let's get into the weeds. We made more money this year. Not a lot more, but enough that it made a difference. And we also did... um, We're not operating our business anymore, but we do one freelance job a year, and that's the Oyster Ridge Music Festival. Mm -hmm. And the way that works when you do freelance work is that you you know, you are the one that pays the taxes on that amount that you're paid. It's not with, it's not automatically withheld. So (laughs) I just, that screwed us. We, we just got to set it up a little bit because we were having a wonderful weekend, right? We had a three day weekend. It was great. We got to spend time with uh, the fam. Yeah. And the last thing we chose to do tonight (laughs) was take care of our fucking taxes. So it kind of negated every good bit of goodwill that we had generated in the last three days. So I'm I'm feeling kind uh, of, kind of down. I'll take responsibility for this because I was like, we should do it tonight so that we can get our refund sooner. (laughs) 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 Ah, I was so naive. There you go. Thinking like a poor person again. Seriously. I, I, I think that's what it is. I think doing your taxes when you're poor is a way different experience than when you're full-time working people and you're making a decent wage. I'm going to fix your microphone. Is it too far down now? That's perfect. All right. It Just sounded really hot. It sounded really loud. Well, I'll turn it down a little bit. Um, yeah. So that was a little bit of a shock, but um, I don't know. We kind of know what to do next year to make it the blow a little yeah, less. And it's it's just one of those things where I was not in the in the mood. I think that's kind of what mm-hmm. it was. I wasn't in the mood to be an adult today, and uh, it just came at me. I mean, I'm I'm wearing my my cutoff gloves, you know. <laughs> Because I'm down in the basement and it's cold. Mm. I just I wanted to to be this bohemian today, and mm. it didn't it didn't pan out. So it's fine. It's fine. Um, our dear uh, supreme leader can go and have more golf trips, <laughs> you know, to Florida if he wants. That's it's totally fine. Yeah, I'm not even worried about it anymore. Let's let's move on to wonderful <laughs> things, wonderful great things, so that I don't have to think about the catastrophe and calamity that is our uh, internal revenue service please what is next something to cheer us up it's going to be great how about the marvelous mrs mazel yeah let's let's head back to uh, a topic that we had discussed already but we just can't get enough of that is the amazon show the marvelous mrs mazel that's left a great impression on us once again where are we at where are we at with that uh we're really close to the end actually we're, we're well to the end of the third season to the end of the show that's available to us um we're two episodes from the end and um so the show the marvelous mrs mazel is about a woman who at the beginning of the show you're seeing her marriage sort of falling apart and inevitably her husband leaves her and she's left to she's left alone with two children um, living in her parents' apartment building. And she drunkenly ends up doing a set at a comedy club. Stand up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she, um, she kills. Yeah. She, she does a great job. So it unlocks her journey into this, this seedy underbelly of, of stand up comedy, which was back in the, in the fifties, right? Late. Yeah. 1959. 1959 leading into the sixties. Mm-hmm. And she does a wonderful job just kind of the, the main character, um, and the performer depicting what it was like to transition from like this place of upscale comfort to 
just a completely different realm and that's been such a great show to watch it's been really rewarding and fun yeah i think um it's rewarding and just like learning about what it was to be a woman during you know (laughs) during that time and and it and and sort of seeing because she is from a wealthy family um in new york city and you you sort of see her struggling with obviously like she has to get a job at some point and you know like an actual job not just stand up because mm-hmm. that's not paying her bills yeah and um yeah i think it's just interesting to see how she has to adapt to her situation and right. how difficult that becomes like she just hits these hurdles at every point and she's judged at every turn. And, you know, I mean, she's essentially like a freak, like a, a single mom mm-hmm. working outside the home, you know, who, you know, her husband left her for another woman. And I don't, she's essentially seen as like a, not a pariah necessarily, but she's definitely persona seen as, non grata. Yeah. Kind like of she's situation. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Uh, but I, I think that, uh, just moving on to, uh, the subsequent seasons, it seems like she just kind of found her edge. And I think that was really the most amazing part is like in the first season, you, you come against the wall that she's coming against, which is her family sort of keeping that away because she knows what the expectation is going to be for her family. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, spoilers or whatever, you know, near the end of the first season, that kind of climaxes and you get a sense of like, oh shit, I overcame that barrier. You know, she's ready to move on to the next step with the support of her family. But then you got this other societal barrier that becomes way more obvious when she kind of steps out to actually do stand up in the way that she wants to do it. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, it's, we kind of scoff a lot, you know, in the show, we're like, oh, Jesus Christ, are you, Mm -hmm. are you serious, serious about this stuff? And it, it isn't genuinely infuriating yeah. that people thought about that in thought about what femininity was supposed to be mm-hmm. in, in those terms is pretty fucking outrageous and ridiculous. Yeah. And I, they do a good job of like sort of hitting that nail home. Like just like every time she goes to a new club, they're like, Oh, do you sing? <laughs> like <laughs> every single time they yeah. ask her if she's a singer because she's too pretty to be a stand up. And or she's a she's too much of a woman to be a stand up or something. And there's a scene where she goes into a club for the first time or not not even the first time. She goes to a club she's been to before and starts to do uh bits about being a mother and like oh, the pregnancy thing. Obstetrician like yeah, like OBGYNs yeah. and stuff and like pregnancy. And the guy literally pulls her off the stage, the club <laughs> owner, and is like, You can't do you can't talk about that stuff. He's like, that's obscene. Yeah, and the, that's she, not appropriate. She's like, but the guy before me can talk about his dick, and it's okay. Like, yeah, and and the dude was talking about like doing it with a whole bunch yeah, of, of like women. Being and, super you know, gross. Yeah, yeah. But, it, but it's, pregnancy was the obscene thing, right? And it's those kind of, kinds of of moments of outrage that they have on the show that are just so brilliant and so well done. And I have to say that the the pinnacle of that was uh, there was this part of uh of a couple of episodes that took place when they went out to the their holiday mm-hmm. their summer holiday the and it really felt like um stepford wifey kind of environment where everybody was supposed to be the same and the kind of enjoyment that they got from from really simple entertainment was so off-putting to me that i i kind of got like felt cringy the whole time just mm-hmm. watching that that episode i i did not like that part of the show at mm-hmm. all it just felt way too uncomfortable yeah there's they a, made her feel like shit there's episodes where like the family regularly goes to the cat skills over the summer it's like things i don't know it's like something rich people do in new york <laughs> they like leave the city in the summer yeah. when it's miserable and go to the go to like upstate new york and yeah it's like summer camp for adults yeah and i remember it's, yeah it's <laughs> it's really like off-putting and you said that and i was like oh my god you're so you're so spot on with that i fucking hate it yeah That's it's the worst terrible thing. like it, it, i don't know i guess that was what you did in the 50s but if you were ri- rich but um mm-hmm. yeah i i think um 
as the seasons have gone on, her parents have become some of my favorite characters. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony Shalhoub plays her dad, and he's just he's brilliant. Like I love his character. Yeah, and um, he really has this like super interesting arc from the beginning to the mm-hmm. to where we are now. And um, yeah, I don't know. And I really enjoy like learning more about her mom and. The scenes, like the the episodes where she like runs off to Paris, I thought was really interesting and also those like were, heartbreaking. Those at the are same really time. beautiful, yeah, really outstanding episodes. Just because they they follow a lot of the the core of why they came together as a couple and wow, what led them to drift apart, mm-hmm. um, and and so they they kind of find their way though and that's kind of the cool thing about it is they they have ups and downs but they they seem to be a couple that just continues to be on the same path together mm-hmm. uh it, you know it's just the mark of i think really good writing and, and performance because everyone on that show is is wonderfully funny but honest mm-hmm. and that's such a hard thing to do for an actor is to give you the truth while making you laugh and mm-hmm. making you feel like these these revelations or or their obstacles are are real you know and and they're struggling or laughing or having a good time whatever it is it's it's really awesome i also think another like actor in the show who really just she just blows it out of the water every time is alex borstein (laughs) like she's so good and she uh, plays um susie meyerson who is um she plays Midge, Midge Maisel, who's the main character. Susie is her manager. And mm-hmm. I don't know, like, it's just like their relationship is so, um, it's funny and it's sweet. And they just like, they butt heads, but somehow they, you know, they come together when it's, when they need to. And I don't know. I just yeah. think it's a really like, it's a really dynamic and interesting relationship. Yeah. And I had to look this up and it looks like she's won two Emmy awards for, mm-hmm. for that role, which is, great i think she definitely deserves that and it's hard to believe that she started well she's she had a long history as a as an actor and comedian and stuff like that but uh she was lois for the longest time i think she still is really yeah didn't they end the show though i thought Uh, they ended family guy i don't think they've ended family guy last i looked it said it was like 99 to present jesus christ yeah they gotta they gotta let it go man they gotta let it go they yeah, still going strong. Jesus. Is she still playing Lois? Uh, let's see what uh, IMDb says. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 2020. Mm-hmm. Still going strong. So mm-hmm. everyone seems to be doing their thing. The original cast is still mm-hmm. still active. Yeah. But Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Let's see. It's one of crap ton of awards i'm sure mm-hmm. but we're about to wrap up season two and season three are you serious yeah. we're already at season three there's season there's three seasons that are available mm. yeah so when was it um golden globes of what year 2018 they did win best television series musical or comedy rachel brosnahan won for best actress mm-hmm. in the golden globes um, she won Best Actress for Critics' Choice Awards, Best Comedy Series overall for Critics' Choice. Um, they won Producers Guild of America for Outstanding Producer of Episo- Episodic Television Comedy, Peabody Award, mm. Entertainment. This is a weird category. Entertainment, Children's, and Youth Honoree, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. That's not a kid's show. I don't know what the hell is going on. But, all right, you do you, Peabody. Do what you want. <laughs> um, and then... TV Critics Association, Rachel Brosnahan, won Outstanding Comedy Series for the whole show, Outstanding Lead, Primetime Emmys. Tony Shalhoub was nominated but didn't win in 2018. Amy Sherman Palladino won uh, for Directing and Writing. Jane Lynch was nominated, who was nice. wonderful. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's really good. That was, that was such a great turn, though, a great... Uh, change of events mm-hmm. we should say uh her character tuka took a really great turn and and now she's just hilarious she plays um this character named sophie lennon who has this like one shtick she's a stand-up <laughs> comedian with this one angle 
And that's mm. like made her like a millionaire. Yeah. But she's, yeah. She has dreams of being a Broadway actress in a Strindberg place. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, you know, you, you get the sense that there's, it is heightened in a lot of ways about just anything and everything, every part of it, but you get a sense that they get the industry right in mm-hmm. the backstabbing and the dealings and how complicated it is. I mean, obviously, it's going to be a pain in the ass for a woman in that time period to succeed, but just to be a comedian, period, mm-hmm. is an uphill battle so so arduous that I... You know, it just makes me respect comedians. Yeah. And um, I know that Jen Kirkman, who's a comedian, um, writes for this show. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, uh, you know, there's the storyline of Lenny Bruce, who uh, Midge runs into a lot during the course of the show. Mm-hmm. And they sort of become contemporaries. And... Um, He's he's the one of those comedians that is pushing the boundaries big time yeah. in his in his field and like constantly in trouble for it, constantly getting banned from like whole states <laughs> where he can't he's perform. Like going like, in and out of jail. Yeah, every, he's always every getting every arrested. Like he'll, he's getting arrested, and but that's the price they paid back then to yeah. to push the envelope and do what they needed to do. Yeah, um, and yeah, I mean they. The whole cast has been just on continuous watching it. The the whole cast has impressed me. They all have mm-hmm. like this, their moment to shine to to have something something outstanding happen. And you know when they, I just wanted to mention this when they got into the the larger arenas and she started performing. I always thought there was going to be more conflict on the outside. But the beautiful thing about this show is that the conflict always comes from within. It mm-hmm. comes from the immediate relationships of the family, first and foremost. And then the outer world does its thing. Mm-hmm. But I am, I'm almost in this frame of mind where the conflict is going to come from somewhere else. Because like that society was just not conducive to that environment. Mm-hmm. But it's not the way that they shape the show yeah which i think is why it, it's so damn interesting because it's just the people mm-hmm. the people that you love doing shit to kind of you know throw a wrench into into things mm-hmm. um like when she was doing the the performance for the the military mm-hmm. i thought something was going to go awfully wrong yeah. like i just had this this anxiety but i think it might just be me and performance and anxiety, like just yeah. seeing somebody on stage. Well, and you kind of, I was afraid like she was going to be too blue or something for mm-hmm. for army guys, but I got, or for the army. Cause like, she was like, yeah, you can't say fuck. You can't say anything like right. sexual or like, yeah. you can't talk politics. Like it was all the stuff you, she couldn't <laughs> talk about, but she ended up, you know, killing, just so. killing it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's been very very good so far, mm-hmm. and I want to give a shout out to to Kevin Pollack who who did yeah. a he's amazing in he this plays, show. He uh, plays Moisha. Uh, he plays so Joel, who is Midge's ex husband. Um, that his parents are Moisha and Shirley, and <laughs> Moisha is played by Kevin Pollack, and he is incredible. Like he's the worst, but also the best character. He's hilarious. <laughs> I just feel like he he just embodies that character yeah, so he's well so good. he's wonderful um but yeah we just wanted to talk about mrs mazel again we hope that you check it out because it's a, a it's, tremendous show it's, it's brought re- us a lot of joy right right when we have some some long days at the office or at work we just need to unwind and watch some old-timey shit mm-hmm. and watch uh mrs mazel do her thing mm-hmm. it's it's been awesome let's give a tink to that and move on to the next because we're going to keep it somewhat short and sweet see how far we can get okay um the next item we wanted to talk about was the book circe by madeline miller let's go let's go this book uh from what i gather has left you has imprinted on you if yeah. that's if that's the right way to say it yeah so my friend chris uh shout out to chris shout out chris he recommended book life thirsty to me and uh pretty much said like it blew his mind 
<laughs> and um, I have to agree. I I picked it up and finished it in like a week. I finished it really fast. <laughs> and um, so the book is about Circe, who is a god. And it's essentially about her life. And um, it, it talks... So it's her perspective on a bunch of these different familiar stories. Mm. So we all know the story of Odysseus. We know some of us may know the story of Medea um, and a bunch of others. Mm-hmm. Um, Daedalus and Icarus, for instance. Um, but we're seeing all of these stories through Circe's eyes. So, you know, Circe is the daughter of Helios, the son god god yep and um i'm blanking on her name i can't remember who her mother is but um so she's a god but she does not fit in with her family her family does not like her she's a black sheep and eventually she is exiled to this island for all eternity Mm. and um over the years um people stop on her island for various reasons. Odysseus is one of them. Medea um, and Jason are another. Mm. And it's just like a really fascinating, you know, I, I studied dramatic literature in college. And so I was really familiar with Greek mythology through that, um, through that lens. And it was really interesting to read these stories from the perspective of a woman, from the perspective of a God, a lesser God, Someone yeah. who, you know, actually despised the whole realm of the gods because she was so, she just couldn't, she couldn't get along in that world. Mm-hmm. And so she much preferred to be in the mortal world amongst mortals. Yeah. And I just wanted to to point out here, uh, she is a daughter of the god Helios and either the Oceanid nymph Percy or the goddess Hecate. Percy was who Percy was, was how book. what yeah. they went with. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, I mean the that's kind of the beauty of it is is that an author like that was able to transform the same story essentially into, I guess, through a more contemporary lens to to illustrate just how like narrow minded the perspective. Because when we were reading a lot of these works in uh, dramatic literature or through the, the lens of like a, an old Greek playwright, Mm -hmm. there was bound to be a bias. Like nobody gave a shit about her point of view. She was just kind of like a plot point in certain things, but this seems to bring her front and center. Right. Yeah. 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 And you know, it touches on anything from, you know, relationships to your mortality to, you know, because um, she's she's a god, so she lives forever, and so she just has mm-hmm. been around for generations. And you know, she she begins to develop this perspective of you know looking at these mortals in sort of a um, she's able to sort of pull back and look at their lives in a really different way than they look at their own lives. Mm-hmm. You know, because their life is a speck to her. You know, mm-hmm. like in the scheme of time yeah does she feel like she has to take care of them when they come her way like yeah yeah that's kind of a responsibility yeah she feels like because they're so fragile Mm. you know and she um she didn't really realize that until she was living amongst them and you know on her island she's sort of she's isolated but um you know there are times where either ships come in and they're not very nice or they're <laughs> meant like like odysseus show up and stay for like a year but in any in any situation she is confronted with the fragility of mortality and mm-hmm. like the fragility of human life and how you know she feels like she has to do everything she can to help them and mm-hmm. make sure they're gonna be okay and help because it takes nothing to keep her alive you know, she's like, she doesn't have to eat. She doesn't really have to sleep. She doesn't have to do anything. Um, but she realizes there's so much that goes into, like, taking care of a human being, mm-hmm. which becomes important later in the story when she ends up having to take care of her own child. Yeah. Um, and how so... Was, how was that uh, in, in terms of um, 
the way motherhood and and being a woman was depicted in that book do you think that that felt more contemporary or do you, do you feel that there was a timeless way of depicting womanhood do, do things change do you feel that the perspective was different um, in the way it was written i think it was told in sort of a timeless way i mean there you know when she Spoiler alert. When she has, I won't tell you who the father is, but the, who the baby daddy the, is. The, the, she has a baby <laughs> and she, she has to do it alone. because No one's with her. And yeah, she, you know, the child is difficult and, um, you know, just takes a lot out of her, mm. which is, says a lot because she's a God and you wouldn't think that that would tire out a God, but, she, yeah, she definitely says that, like, she she feels this responsibility, obviously, as a mother to keep this small human alive. And she's never really had to struggle to do anything in her life. And she's struggling mm. to be a mother. And, you know, that's something that she talks about a lot in the book is how the gods never have to do, they never have to try Mm -hmm. because everything is just handed to them. Everything, they never have to learn anything. They never have to struggle. And so when she becomes a mother, she sort of realizes like, oh, like, yes, this is hard. And yes, you know, I'm doing this by myself, but it's gratifying to me that I'm working at something and that, and that I'm rewarded by seeing my son grow. And, you know, um, yeah, and I think um, the perspective that the author provides is not necessarily, it doesn't feel anachronistic. Mm-hmm. Um, because the book is de- technically in ancient times, but it doesn't, the way that Cersei sort of relates to being a mother does not feel out of step with the time period. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was interesting, like an interesting. That, that felt like an achievement. Yeah. And so you said that she she seemed to be an observer of humanity for like a long time, mm-hmm. a long time. And so the scope of it, I love that you, you know, this is how excited you were. It's like normally you, you kind of show me or, or read to me little bits. But this one, it was like every other, you know, page. Mm-hmm. It was like something amazing. And I was very taken by well, it. I, so got, I got excited I because I knew you knew these stories, too. Uh-huh. And seeing it from these perspectives was so, from her perspective, was oh, yeah. so interesting to me. Yeah. You know, like, specifically, one that really stood out was when Medea and Jason show up. And they've done something horrible. Mm-hmm. And they come, they come, uh, they come uh, um, ashore to her, to her island, but they, they sort of conceal their identities, but they're asking her for forgiveness. They're asking her for a right to cleanse them. And so she's not, as a god, she's not allowed to ask why or what the purpose is. She's just supposed to say yes or no. And so she ends up saying yes, and they do the ritual, and they, she cleanses them and everything. And then the woman reveals herself to be Medea, who is actually her niece. She's like, God damn it. Who, who is, yeah, the <laughs> daughter of her brother. And um, she, Medea tells her, I've done a horrible thing because she was essentially running away with Jason Mm -hmm. from her father and her father was in pursuit of them to kill them. Yeah. And she ends up killing her own brother on the show, on the boat, on the deck of this boat and throwing his body into the water and to slow down her father. Um, and so of course Cersei is horrified that she's, cleanse them of this Mm -hmm. and you know they sort of talk about this like they talk about their plans to go to where jason is from he's going to marry medea and she pretty much cersei says this is a terrible idea (laughs) this isn't gonna go well it's like trust me that man it doesn't end well yeah they're all gonna hate you like this isn't gonna go well and of course medea doesn't heed her aunt yeah and hence we have uh, another wonderful story told later yeah if you haven't read form. Medea, look it up. Check it out. It's horrifying. It's a family comedy. There's a lot of there was a lot of moments like that where I knew the story they were referencing. Mm-hmm. And so it almost felt like you kind of had inside knowledge. Yeah, and it's it's almost like the, the stuff that you were telling me was completing 
sort of the other perspective mm-hmm. and it really enriched the previous telling yeah. of the story. It almost made me want to go back and like reread some of those old stories yeah. to remind myself about the full, you know, the full uh, plot of what happened yeah. to those people. Makes me makes me want to read the Odyssey again and also makes me of course want to read this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course I will take a look at it, but um, you kind of get the sense like, man, it, it was like they didn't give the woman the time of day like no. to, to tell the story at all. Yeah, no, unless yeah. it was like her making some grave error or some like right. horrific, mis- you know, <laughs> horrific act. Like it just wasn't right. They right. wasn't who they focused was on. Like, you, you done fucked up. Uh, now no. you got to kill your kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what the people want to see. Mm-hmm. Some uh, good old carnage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, Cersei was really incredible and it's, it's really just beautifully written and, um, you can tell that the author has a really rich knowledge of antiquities yeah, and, and just ancient history. I was reading about this. Uh, she was a, uh, Greek and Latin teacher. Mm-hmm. She, it took her 10 years to write this book. This one too? Well, Cersei. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was Cersei. Because I took read, her um, I read a Song of Achilles took her ten years as well. Well, I think which, which one was first? Was this one first? Song of Achilles was first. I think maybe that's the one that they meant when I was looking at Wikipedia. Then, mm-hmm. um, but she seems like a very tremendous writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I'm not. I don't say that books are, I don't know, I don't say this lightly, but it's one of the best books I've ever read. Mm. Um, And I was thinking the other day if maybe it wouldn't have been so impactful if I hadn't known the other stories, but I don't think so, because Mm. I think her story is universal and relatable regardless of whether you know the peripheral stories. and I think that's that's the victory of it is that these stories have been told time and time again, but to make them that outstanding and refreshing has has to be a great achievement mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, it says uh, Madeline Miller uh, spent ten years writing Song of Achilles while she worked as a Latin and Greek teacher. The novel tells the story of the love between mythological figures Achilles and Patroclus. That's actually the the one I'm reading now. Yeah. Damn it. (laughs) So where's the other one? No, they don't have an article for the other one. but Yeah, Cersei is the one that's uh, most recent. It came out in 2016. Mm. Yeah. But but she seems well, you know, uh, well educated on the Mm -hmm. subject for sure. Yeah. Um, It does make me want to go back and read some of these old plays as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's really my main... I was actually I was actually thinking about reading um or rereading mythology by Edith Hamilton. Oh yeah. Cuz that's yeah. sort of a, like a the big primer yeah. for all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that it kind of gets gets us excited to talk about this stuff again mm-hmm. and to get the ball rolling because that's where the goods are. That's yeah. where the really the the core of our great stories begin. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting a Scholastic uh, copy. It, it wasn't the Edith Hamilton, but it was just like a little mm-hmm. Scholastic abridged, you know, the stories of the Greek whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> there's some motherfucker who went around the sky mm-hmm. and he had wings. Yeah, I remember learning about all the crazy shit that happens, like Kronos eating all his kids. Yeah, that was <laughs> like, very memorable. Yeah, like just the crazy stuff. Like the like- one who like fed him... <laughs> fed someone to it what story was that the one oh, where they um, they cook someone up and feed it to his family yeah that they was, made a uh, south park episode about it <laughs> that was based um, on it it was actually a very uh brutal uh roman playwright um, oh roman yeah cnm it was Crap. seneca it was seneca, seneca yeah who wrote um the story of some motherfucker who got uh, yeah, got put in there. I can't um, remember. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's just so much like crazy, screwed up, yeah, melodrama yeah. going on. You know, Oedipus. You know, right? Kills his father and marries his mother. You know, like, fulfilling the prophecy and 
just crazy stuff. <laughs> but it's so <laughs> like, as a young person, like it's so like, I don't know. It's so like perverted and like deviant, but you're just like, oh, I want more. <laughs> 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 want more of the soap opera. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's a, it's a grand old time soap opera for mm-hmm. anyone and everyone to enjoy. Yeah. Uh, God damn it, Seneca. Was that Seneca? It's going to bother me now. I remember yeah. reading it. Yeah. Well, it's it's been about 15 years since we were in the thick of it, um, going through um, dramatic literature. And um, we did take uh, Greek Tragedy, which was an amazing course in uh oh, that's right at the university of wyoming that was a, an right. amazing amazing course yeah talked t- it was uh, taught by dr phil holt yeah do you remember when he when he spoke in oh uh, my in God. greek that was the greatest he fucking day ever could read and speak in ancient greek and it was the most amazing thing i've ever heard yeah he read part of oedipus i mm-hmm. think in it yeah Whew. That was Shivers. good shit. That was good shit. I was like, that that was worth the, uh, you know, thousands of dollars that we dropped in, uh, Why didn't, in our education. Did, were there other theater people in that class with us? I think Chris was there with us. Well, Chris did take the class with mm-hmm. us, but I don't know that anybody else was in our yeah. particular semester. That should have been required. Yeah, that was For good theater stuff. students. It was really good. Good stuff. Well, let me see. I'm still trying to find. <laughs> Seneca tragedy. Well, you That's can keep good. looking, but um, but yeah, I I mean, go find it and read the Estes. it. The Estes. The Estes. Testes. That's the name of the character, or the name of the play. Let me see. The I gotta explore, is... man. I... <laughs> so, um, yeah i I haven't read a book like this before, <laughs> so. I highly recommend it. And I'm actually reading the song of Achilles right now, which I've heard through the grapevine isn't as good as Circe, but mm-hmm. I'm actually not finding that to be the case. So you're enjoying it. I'm enjoying just as it well. a lot. Yeah. That's great. So that's really great. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I have a feeling we're going to have to make a correction next episode because this shit's going to like oh, come up. At- oh, speaking of corrections, I've been meaning to make this correction <laughs> for like three episodes and I keep forgetting. So a few episodes back, I talked about the butchering art and I misspoke on the uh, the author's name. It's not Lindsay Fitzsimmons. It's Lindsay Fitzharris. Yeah. Can you please double check that while we're yeah, here? Yeah, let's, let's do that right sure now. make sure that I have it right. Let's I felt, put it on the record. I felt really bad that I screwed up her name it is fitz harris lindsey fitz harris and that is dr lindsey fitz harris excuse me doctor yeah oxford phd i would never deign to take away her (laughs) hard-earned phd (laughs) that's an oxford fud Mm -hmm. here we go anyway i've been meaning to do that but yeah yeah, check out madeline miller she's awesome Mm. I would say even if you're not into Greek mythology, but I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't be for you. But I think it's great even if you don't have that foundational knowledge. It's it's Jerry Springer on steroids. Yeah. You it's, know, it's it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It's Jerry Springer before the internet. Like yeah. before anything like all they had was their <laughs> fucked up imaginations to come up with this stuff. Yeah, like like <laughs> that that meme that you shared with me. I'm like, what the hell is that? Um anyway, but yeah, it was the Estes. It so most, what was the plot? I got it right here. Let's see. R- refresh my memory. Okay. Did we read this one? Yeah. Okay. The Estes is a first century AD fabula crepidata Roman tragedy with Greek subject of approximately 1112 lines of verse by Lucius Aeneas, Aeneas Seneca, which tell the story of Theestes who unwittingly ate his own children who were slaughtered and served at a banquet by his brother, Atreus. Right. That's the house of Atreus. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, as with most of Seneca's plays, Theestes is based upon an older Greek version with the same name by Euripides. Oh. My man. My man, Euripides. Did we read the Euripides version, do you think? No. No, probably just no, the Seneca we, version. No, we read the Seneca version, for sure. Huh. So, yeah, the characters are Theestes, a brother of... Uh... Now, I always said Atreus. See in or my Atreus. head, in my head, I said Atreus. Okay. I, I don't. I don't know. I think it's a regional thing, you know. If you're from the Midwest, <laughs> I feel like when we were uh, in versus, when we were uh, in the classroom, the Tom always said Atreus, but who knows? 
Atreus. Whatever. They're, they're talking about that a lot in the Song of Achilles because Menelaus and Agamemnon are sons of Atreus. Mm. They're, they're brothers. Their, I yeah. don't know. They're descendants of some kind. Mm. It's too much. Agamemnon. Yeah, we we got to go back and get a refresher of this because yeah. we. I haven't looked at at my old uh, my old mythology books in a long time. Yeah, me. Either. That's fair to say. Yeah. But it's it's full of action, full of fun, and full of children and stew. So. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> but coming a... back to to Cersei, sorry, I digressed quite a bit. But if yeah, you want to no, go back, um, and... I just wanted to say that um, both her books. I mean, I'm only halfway through the other one, but so far, both the books are just phenomenal awesome and deserve all the tinks and all the awards let's give them a tink check them out as will i and uh last but not least we wanted to talk about a movie that we caught just recently that went under the radar for us but we we actually enjoyed it quite a bit we watched <laughs> we watched the invention of lying on netflix <laughs> by uh ricky gervais and stephen merchant mm-hmm. and first thoughts what what were we doing we were just like flipping through <laughs> yeah, trying we to watch were, something we were trying to find something to watch and we stopped on the invention of lying and watched the preview and it both had us laughing super hard they <laughs> <laughs> we were like why not let's watch this yeah, one let's give, it a, let's give it a shot i love i love the irreverence and and really that's kind of that was a big selling point for me mm-hmm. uh you just kind of feel like you're over it, you know, like you're, you're tired of, of society acting the way that it does or w- why is, is it working the way that it does? And when the movie starts out, you really get a full dose of, of what it would be like if people were actually telling you the truth the whole time. Yeah. If they were literally incapable of deception. Yeah. So the, that's the premise of it. Uh, the protagonist, he lives in a world where nobody knows what a lie is. They can't. They don't have that in their mind. So in that, with that basic premise, he pretty much goes about, you know, finding out how to lie. Mm-hmm. And it is so wonderful. <laughs> and it, it it has some laugh out loud moments, but I would say that most of the movie is, is just kind of like light chuckles. But the premise is so much fun. Yeah. It's, it's very, very worth it. As I was watching it, I realized why it probably wasn't as popular as it should have been. Oh yeah. Um, it's, which is probably like the definite, like the whole theme of Ricky Gervais's entire career is like, why is he not more popular than he is? (laughs) Because he's so irreverent and just does not give any fucks. Like he does not care. It's a big, big anti-religion film. Yeah. For sure. Yes. I mean, if you're if that's not your cup of tea, I would say stay away. Yeah. But you won't think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it it has some great truths. I mean, it, it yeah. tries to illustrate a lot of things that uh are wrong with the way that we see not just religion but the world. And it it's it's startling in the beginning, you know, to get those truths coming your way. But I thought that it was it was such an entertaining movie. And it's got a hell of a cast, too. Yeah. Um, and I felt like it had these like extremely genuine moments mm-hmm. that sort of catch you off guard because the whole yeah. movie is so out of left <laughs> field. But yeah, it has these moments of real genuine um, sweetness and tenderness and even sadness. And, right. um, you know, sort of showing what, what human beings will do in moments of desperation mm-hmm. and, and maybe even the stories they will make up to make life more bearable, you know? And I right. think that that is such an interesting, it's interesting to see that sort of flipped on its head, looking at a world that didn't have that mm-hmm. and then seeing it being introduced and how it just completely <laughs> changes everything. Yeah. You know? And mm-hmm. um, I just think it was so, you know, you can say it's silly or, you know, it's irreverent or whatever, but I feel like he was saying something really important in in sort of a goofy, funny way. But I felt I walked away from the movie going like, I feel like I learned something. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I'm better for having watched that movie. <laughs> right. Which is not something I normally say when I walk away from a, from most movies. Yeah. So I don't know. I think 
you know, as someone who's not particularly religious and, you know, I feel like I can have sort of a, an objective, um, perspective on it. I feel like it's something that, I don't know, I feel like the movie had something important to say and that it's, it's something that everyone should really stop and think about. Yeah. And it's, to me, it really did speak a lot about the, the why, you know, are we brave enough to tell ourselves what would life be like without this? Can we handle life without this, Mm -hmm. without this, this safety blanket that we have in our lives, um, our belief systems? And of course, I mean, at its core, it's a romantic comedy. So there's, there's that kind of reward that you get at the end where, um, you know, things kind of go the way that they're supposed to go in those romantic comedies, but there's still a deeper message of acceptance. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was the big thing is, is you shouldn't judge people by, by what they, I don't know, by sort of the burdens that they carry, Mm -hmm. you know, um, physically. Yeah. And, and that was, that was a great shtick that, that Ricky Gervais had during the movie where, there was a recurring bit where she just thought that he wouldn't be a good match to to partner with because yeah, Jennifer Garner plays the love interest and she's she is constantly saying to him like <laughs> I don't want to have fat snub-nosed children. <laughs> you know, and like I just think it's interesting because in a world where no one can lie, that is what you would say. To someone that you're not interested in. Yeah, you would just go flat out. You would out go for flat the... out for the biological facts because mm-hmm. that's the truth. Right. You know, yeah, maybe, you know, we would sort of pussyfoot around it and say, oh, well, you're not really my type or we don't have that much in common. Yeah, or, you I... live two <laughs> hours away. <laughs> whatever, or whatever the stupid excuse we yeah. would come up with, but her excuse is the biological excuse. Right. And, you know, but throughout the movie, because he can now lie, he's also able to, I don't know, he's more able to discern um, more about people. Uh-huh. He's able to sort of dig a little deeper because it's not just stopping at the facts. It's not just, their interactions aren't just stopping at, you know, the most honest response possible. Mm-hmm. You know, they're sort of doing the dance that we do in relationships of trying to get to know somebody. And maybe you're not f- being fully truthful the whole time, but eventually you get to know that person for who they really are and not just the bare bones basics. Yeah, it, it allows them to go a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, <laughs> I love that that it's it's the film bit, you know, where he works in the film industry, <laughs> but it's just lectures <laughs> because they nothing has been created, you know, no yeah. lies. So There's that no does, such thing as a story because that's a right, lie, <laughs> right? So they're just pulling happenings from yeah. history and narrating them. And he works in the 13th century department, which is so boring. Like he can't write anything interesting, <laughs> and so he gets fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so good oh god rob lowe rob lowe's in it and he's he's the shit in that <laughs> he's the best he's such an asshole too <laughs> yeah it's it's a great movie i was really pleasantly surprised yeah. by it a lot of good cameos a lot of fun mm-hmm. stuff so i i think that that was a a gem of a movie that we just kind of stumbled into and i definitely want to give that a tink yeah it deserves a tink want. i'm but i'm a ricky gervais fan man yeah i i don't know as I am too. Yeah, but we we're weird. I think you know. Yeah, just, I don't know. What is what is the deal here? You know, I hate paying taxes. I watch anti-religious romantic fantasy comedies. You know, I don't know. World's upside down now. <laughs> no, I don't think you hate paying taxes. It just caught me off guard. It I just think... caught me off guard. That's what happened. Yeah. So I'm all grumpy now, and everything's ruined. <laughs> maybe we would feel better if our taxes were going towards something that's uh that's what i'm saying yeah i mean it's worth a damn if but. we were to say hey you know this is going to you know forgive student loan debt at the federal level or it's going to fund build our, our infrastructure schools. fund the schools or you know something like cure po- poverty send it to the veterans you know mm-hmm. something 
but you know it's it's just a a drop in the bucket for the trillions of dollars of deficit that we have going on and mm -hmm. it's not going to go to anything real productive or to help the american people Mm -hmm. And if it is, I'll never know. <laughs> I'll never know. And I'll just live in my ignorance. Yeah. So for now, you know, I'm going to whine and complain for another two days. <laughs> and then hopefully by the time the middle of the week comes around, I'll be able to get some ice cream or something on payday <laughs> that'll make me feel better for a good 30 minutes. And then I'll go back to thinking about taxes and yeah. how come life is like this. <laughs> but it's just me. <laughs> Don't worry about it, guys. Mm -hmm. Everything's going to be okay. So this uh, episode of Our Kids Asleep um, has been brought to you, or I guess we wish that it was brought to us by Furnace. It went on a couple of times. <laughs> um, I also want to thank uh, Gancitos, a little mm. Mexican snack that um, kept me very happy this weekend. I also, it is like, like bread and sugar. So um, I was pretty, pretty tired. They are good. Um, and I'd also like to thank Pizza Ranch. Oh, there's Furnace again. <laughs> I'd like to say uh, thank Pizza Ranch because I got to go not only enjoy a fuck ton of 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 grain and and what what the hell was I gonna do like like wheat products mm -hmm. and uh, I enjoyed the hell out of those pizza slices and I got to have an interactive experience into the uh, the what do they call it? What are those little guys? Rabbits. The rabbits. Um, virtual reality ride that they have in the in the arcade mm -hmm. and that blew my mind i <laughs> ate so much that i was gonna barf right there in front of those like 10 year old kids um but i was blown away i was transported to a, a magical land and i i look like a fucking idiot didn't i <laughs> like with the headset on it was like, funny because it was just you because our son refused to go on it with yeah you. and i'm like so dude we're here 34 year old man experiencing this virtual ride well i wasn't gonna miss <laughs> miss that opportunity even yeah. though my kid didn't want to do it it's a lot coming at you though he said he would do it next time I'll yeah believe yeah when we'll, i see it we'll see <laughs> it's like no i'm fine I'm you do fine, it you let do me it. watch you be an idiot <laughs> with, the, uh, with the virtual reality he's headset too self-aware for his good yeah but what can we do what do you think you want to call it yeah i think that we we hit all the we hit points. all the right notes folks and we want to thank you for your time and for being our friend <laughs> thank you for being uh, yeah damn it i gotta get on that <laughs> almost there maybe next time maybe next time i'll have some uh, no i never watched the golden girls oh you missed out mm. you missed out yeah yeah I have a feeling it wouldn't mean the same thing to me now. Oh, you I know it will. It. I don't you know. know they were old. Maybe it would. Maybe I'll. Maybe I would relate more. I think you would. Yeah, you would. Um, they were. They were a wonderful bunch, and they didn't give a fuck. <laughs> they were just amazing. <laughs> I love that. It brought families together. I mean, I think if we didn't have the Golden Girls in my household, we would have broken apart. <laughs> I mean, my parents would have gotten a divorce like 20 years ago if it weren't for the Golden Everybody Girls. Everybody gathered that, around. That is my the theory. Girls. Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, please. And email us at ourkidsasleep at gmail.com. Do something. Please. <laughs> <laughs> all right we gotta go this furnace is getting out of hand it's like it sounds like it's gonna take off yeah it's been cold out yeah maybe it's, it's just it's working been cold hard. out so whatever all right all right folks we love you good have night good guys night. sorry i didn't mean to step on you i'll say good night and then you you have the last good night <laughs> that works have a good night folks good night